Hi there, this is Watchin, and you are now listening to the I Choose the Ladder podcast, a podcast for black women on the corporate climb. This podcast episode is a very special one. Um, it is our Unfiltered Friday um, conversation that we had around discussing race at work. I think based on all the things that we are currently dealing with trying to process in the workplace, both individual contributors and um and people managers with things like the Buffalo shooting. I felt like this conversation needed to live outside of just our unfiltered series. And so today I'm going to be sharing the conversation that I that I had around discussing uh, race at work. I know that it's challenging. I know that it's exhausting for some. And so hopefully the tools that I shared in this episode will help you become more prepared or better prepared as you have tough conversations pertaining to to race at work. But as always, grab your I Choose the Ladder notebook, a pen and your favorite beverage, and get ready to get to work. Hello, everyone, and happy Unfiltered Friday. Um, It has been quite the week, I would say, Um, but I am extremely excited to be here with you all today having this conversation um, as I know that, you know, it's been emotionally a pretty tough week for folks. Leaders are trying to figure out how to have conversations or how if they should be having conversations about, you know, some pretty tough things that um, are impacting the workforce. But um, the latest incident in Buffalo is just an incident. Like it's just a number in the incidents, right? Like we've seen this before and it is an extremely tragic um, and traumatic experience, I think, for everyone who's involved, but also specifically for the Black folks who um, who work in organizations who are expected to keep going, um, even when traumatic things like the shooting in Buffalo happen. And so today I'm going to spend a little bit of time and I actually didn't prepare. Hi, sorry, Nikisha. I actually didn't prepare remarks for this because um, I feel like it's a topic that requires a level of honesty, transparency, and vulnerability that we don't typically exercise in corporate because it is such a hard topic. It is a topic that requires a lot of deep work. Um, And so I want to make sure that I'm approaching this from a very human perspective, which I think is absent from conversations that we have around race, which then causes people to become a little bit defensive, and then nothing gets done. People go back to their respective corners. um, And then, you know, we talk about it in silos. But if we're ever going to move forward, especially um, as we attempt to create more inclusive workspaces where everyone feels welcome, everyone feels valued, everyone feels cared for, everyone feels seen, these types of conversations, we will have to have a medium to have them. And we will need to have the tools and the resources to have productive conversations that don't end in people feeling silenced and don't end in people who belong to underrepresented groups in corporate feeling like they have to carry the torch of educator and somehow couch their feelings in order to protect or to to comfort, right, the feelings of others who may be processing these incidences for the first or second time, whereas Black folks have been dealing with the impact of race in America, in the world, in corporate America for their entire lives, right? And so my hope is that this Unfiltered will give you all some tools and some things to think about as you prepare to have conversations, because unfortunately, I wish I could say that I think what happened in Buffalo is going to be the catalyst for a lot of change. But unfortunately, I feel like we will have repeated um, incidences and tragedies like the ones that we all just saw happen. Um, And 
having the tools and the right relationships to be able to get through these and get to the other side of these tragedies um, with your, in, your workforce intact is extremely important. Um, I realized I jumped right into the topic without doing a proper intro, um, but if you follow me on here, you know that I'm watching. Um, I am the founder and CEO of I Choose the Ladder, and I run a career development agency, my team and I, it's not just me, um, and we do professional development and retention work for blue chip companies, and we specialize in the retention and development of Black female employees, so high-performing Black female employees. We work with corporations who are trying to retain their current workforce, because as we know, the acquisition of new employees can be extremely um, expensive for companies. And if you have a leaky, like a hole in the boat where you bring someone new in and two people leave, ultimately you will not reach a place where like you can do your best work. And so for us is how do we support organizations who have already decided and who already understand that this is a priority. It's a business priority that aligns to strategy that they have. How do we support you in developing and retaining your employees as you work on other sides of the business? And one of the ways that we do that is through uh, digital resources like this one. So Unfiltered Fridays, um, and it's almost every Friday. Sometimes it's not because our shoot schedule and other things with the company interfere with this time. Um, but it's usually a topic that has bubbled up in your employee groups that they may not necessarily be talking to decision makers about, but decision makers need to have this information in order to inform um, strategies and planning and resources to support these people who, um, for whether it's for fear or any other reason, the culture that is established in the organization, they don't necessarily feel comfortable having these types of conversations um, with their leaders. And so I um, have decided, right, that I will try to be a bridge between the two groups, the employee group and then the leadership group who ultimately need to work together and be in sync if businesses are going to continue um, to be competitive and to attract the type of talent, but not just attract them, but once they get there, have them not regret their decision to join your organization. And so today we're going to talk about talking about race at work. And we've seen companies take a bunch of different approaches to this, right? So there was, I won't name the company because I don't want any problems, but there was a company that came out very publicly and said that people are not allowed to talk about um, race at work or any of these, these issues at work, right? And we saw that there was incredible blowback Lots of people left the organization and the CEO had to kind of backtrack a little bit and rethink his stance on that. But what we also know is that <clears throat> a lot of the conversations that are being had within these organizations are being had in silos, right? So the Black folks talk to each other about things that are happening with Black folks because there is a, a level of, um, I think, responsibility that... Um, I, I'm not responsibility. There's a bit of a burden that once you as a person of color starts to have these types of conversations in mixed company, for lack of a better phrase, that you you then take on to comfort, educate, and somehow appease whatever emotions may come up with the people that you're speaking with. And that is incredibly difficult when you are still trying to process your own emotions with traumatic things that are happening within members of what within your community, right? And it's not your literal community, right? Because I don't live in Buffalo, but when the, the mass shooting happened and the racially um, <clears throat> motivated killing of these innocent people happened, although I'm not in Buffalo, it was incredibly, um, it was difficult for me, right? I couldn't necessarily, um, pro I chose not to process what an incident like that happening means, right? Where someone could be going to a grocery store, having done nothing to provoke anyone, 
and someone makes up in their mind that they're going to drive from their home to this place with the singular purpose of killing Black people, right? And I was reading something on social media and there was a woman and her question was, what have we ever done to them? Right, it was a Black woman. And she's like, I don't understand what we've ever done, right, as Black people, as a collective Black people, to warrant this level of disdain or this level of disregard for our lives that someone felt that it was okay and it was justified to take the lives of people that they had never met or never encountered. And I didn't have a response for that, right? And I I also didn't allow, I can't allow myself to go down that chain of thought and to process it because the level of helplessness that then consumes me as an individual um, would make me no good to anyone. I would not be able to do my job. I would not be able to volunteer. I would not be able to do a lot of the things. Like I would be in bed because of the fear of everyday things that I do somehow opening me up to a level of violence that I have no control over, right? And when we think about that, and what that means for people who are coming into work, right? Who are still trying to process and think through um, what this means for them. And they come into workspaces and the, the, the general feeling or the sentiment is that they just have to push through, right? They have to keep going. The business has to keep going. And so you feel like as a human, you don't matter. And one of the things that we talk about um, when, when people have customer facing jobs is that, you know, people say the customer's first, the customer's first, but there's a school of thought that says, if you take care of your employees, they then take care of your clients and everyone wins, right? And so as leaders who may not necessarily understand what your employees of color, and in this specific instance, what the black people who work for you may be going through, the first thing that you have to you have to ask yourself is, do you recognize their humanity, right? If someone had come to your local grocery store and shot it up and murdered people as a human being, how would you like to be engaged with? What level of care would you expect people to have, right? When they came into the workplace and they engaged with you. And I, I was having a conversation with this um, in one of my classes. I think that there is this misconception that Black people cannot wait to have discussion. Like we, there's a desire for us to have these types of discussions in the workplace. And honestly, I haven't found that to be true. What happens is in these conversations, Black people are re-traumatized, right? And there's this sense that in order for us to be seen as human or in order for us to be considered, we somehow have to reopen old wounds to get people to empathize and understand what it is that we're going through, right? And I haven't seen that in almost any other space. And I, I talk about this um, and I'm not trying to start any drama, but I've had this conversation as it pertains to nonprofits, right? There's always, for me, a sense of discomfort when we parade around young people, right, and fundraisers. It's highly effective. I get it. To stand in front of an audience of extremely privileged people, right, myself included. I'm not excluding myself in this. To open up childhood traumas in an effort to get people to sympathize to then write checks. I understand that it is that it is an impactful 
fundraising strategy. But what I what I think about is, do we consider the impact that having young people do those things has on them and their psyche and their emotional well-being? And that I feel the same way about conversations about race in the workplace, right? So when you go to work and it's expected that you're going to have commentary or you're going to be willing to share your emotions on, tra on tragic things that happen to members of your community, it can be very taxing. So as a leader, I would say the first thing that you need to consider is what is the relationship that you have with your team, right? What is the relationship that you have with people of color, Black folks specifically for the purposes of this conversation? What is your relationship with them? Because the expectation that someone that you've had a purely transactional relationship with is now going to open up and lay their feelings bare or somehow be the spokesperson for their entire community when they're still trying to process the trauma and the emotions that comes every time something like this happens is unfair. And so one, I would say my recommendation is leaders should be building relationships with their teams as people on an ongoing basis. It should not be tragedy or some level of, um, of negative uh, situations that then gives you the impetus to connect. It's too late at that point, right? So you should be in an ongoing, very um, organic, like that's the word we're using all the time, in a very natural way. Like there should be a curiosity about the people who you've hired to essentially make you look good and move your business forward. So start there. Second, I would say we tend to make decisions for people who are not part of marginalized groups tend to make decisions for marginalized groups without their input. That is not how you move conversations like this forward. And so I would say if you are a leader who has a relationship with your team, who has a relationship with the black folks who work for you, how I would approach talking about race at work is one, having a conversation with them privately to see if they want to engage in that level of conversation. There are people, um, I say this all the time, I work with the best clients in the world. And there's literally no one who could convince me otherwise. Like the caliber of people that I choose a lot of partners with are world-class, hands down, right? And there's a reason why like we're attracted to each other, right? Because our values are the same. And I had tons of clients reach out not to engage me and like, and force me to have a conversation, but to see if I wanted to talk. And when I said I did it, they respected that, right? So if you reach out to an employee who you have a relationship with to see if they want to have a conversation about it and they decline, know that it's not personal, right? Know that it has nothing to do with you. They just may not have the emotional capacity or the desire to rehash something that they're still processing. And for a lot of Black folks, right, they have support networks outside of work. But a step further than that, if the Black people who work for you feel like in the walls of your organization, they are unseen, unvalued, unheard, overlooked, right, there's not going to be an appetite to engage in this because for them, there's not really a benefit. Me talking to my white colleagues about traumas that happen does not benefit me in any way. Because nine times out of 10, there's not systematic changed behavior. So even if my current boss understands and somehow is empathetic, if I get promoted into another division, there's not systematic change that's happening. And so in terms of the benefits, right, 
to the parties who are involved in about conversations um, regarding race at work, typically the benefits are lopsided, right? And so you have to be able to put, well, you don't have to, but my recommendation would be that you put, you try to put yourself in the, in the, in the shoes of the people you are approaching and what they might be going through. So for some folks, it might be giving people a day off work to be like, yo, I know you're going through a lot. Um, I know there's a lot right now. If you need time off, please feel free to take it. Sometimes that's all it takes, right? But other times there are employees who are willing to engage um, and who are willing to be a part of conversations. They may not want to own the conversation. They may not want to organize the conversation. They may not want to plan the agenda, right? And that is their right. But they might be willing to be part of a conversation if there is a sense that this conversation is going to lead to something, right? The days of conversations for conversation's sake, I think they've passed us, right? There's a level of fatigue that Black folks have, especially in the last 24 months. It is, there is, there is an exhaustion. We don't even want to talk about it with each other because we are tired of having the same conversations over and over again. There is fatigue that has set in because, again, I say this, ooh, that was my phone. And then that was a book. Um, I say this all the time, right? Like the corporate America moves really slowly. And the generation of folks who are coming up in corporate are accustomed to fast moving change, right? They grew up with technology and social media and all that stuff. And so there's always a friction when it comes to what people expect versus realistically how quickly corporate can move, right? And so I think that leaders also need to recognize that there is a level of distrust and the level of fatigue that has set in for your employees of color, your black employees around the changes that they want to see, right? I think we, Lord, I read an article about a lawsuit against Wells Fargo, right? Who had fake job interviews for employees of color for jobs that had already been spoken for just so they could check a box, right? We read those things. We hear about them. We understand, right? Like for some corporations, they have us not because they think we're valuable, but it's because they don't want to be seen in a specific light. We read the same press. We look at the same data. We hear the same conversations. And so if you want to be able to have open and honest dialogue about race at work, you have to create an environment where people feel safe to have those conversations and where they also feel like they're not talking just to be talking so that organizations can say, see, we held this town hall, we're progressive, while the Black folks in your organization are still having to deal with the same issues that happened before the conversation, and they're dealing with them not just at work, but also in life, right? And so as leaders who are thinking through, is, is a conversation of about race or what's going on in the world are we equipped to have that conversation? I would say you want to first have private conversations with the groups that are impacted the most. And once you get a pulse check with them, you then work in partnership with them to form a strategy that then has those kinds of things take place. Where would they feel the most comfortable? What topics are off limits? What things do they want to discuss? How transparent and real will these conversations be? How ready is the organization to have candid conversations about those types of issues that come up? Because sometimes the truths that come up in those conversations for a populate for a certain population, they're not always pretty. They're not always like easy to digest. They call they cause a level of self-reflection that people may not be ready for. And I think as organizations, your leadership team needs to be very honest with yourselves 
about where you are. And there's no, there's no harm in saying like, we actually don't have the, the skill set to be able to have these conversations, but we have the desire. So how do we partner with people? How do we partner with organizations? How do we partner with subject matter experts? How do we partner with different organizations to be able to help us facilitate these conversations? And then how do we make sure that it's not a one and done, that it's not a check the box, that it's actually something that's ingrained in our culture where people feel like we care about them as people so that if and when the next tragedy happened, there's not this scramble, right? You've already started doing the work. So it, 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 it is a part of the culture that is organic. It is not something that you're doing that's performative. And your employees, because they work there and they are around after the press releases, after the black squares, after the statements and the bold proclamations, they still work with you day to day. And they are actually your um, your biggest brand ambassadors as it pertains to this kind of stuff. And so I would just say, one, make sure that you are getting to know the people who work with you as people first. The more personalized um, issues are, the faster leaders move, right? Um, if you look at the, the, the causes that most organizations support, there is a tie, a personal tie to someone in leadership for all of them. And so one, start getting to know the people you work with as people, if you actually care about this stuff, right? Two, you want to make sure that you are having them be part of the thought partnership around how these conversations take place and, and the, the objectives and what you're hoping to accomplish. And then the third thing is like we tell all employees, if there's a gap in your ability to do this successfully, make sure you are reaching out to the right, to appropriate resources, um, to appropriate um Companies, y'all know that I'm always willing to be in thought partnership with y'all for this. We don't do DNI work for a variety of reasons, but if it's engagement and it's something that you all are thinking about doing as a means for employee engagement, development, and retention, you can always send me a message on LinkedIn. And although sometimes I'm slower to respond, I typically always respond. Um, but again, you know, the people who work for you are not a commodity. These are humans with whole lives and families and dreams and cares and fears, just like your family and your the people who you know. And so we need to start approaching these types of conversations from a human perspective um, and making sure that we have the tools and the environment that allow us to be able to have these conversations um, safely and in a way that, that makes sense. Um, I've already gone too long today, I'm over my time. Um, but as always, if you all wanna keep the conversation going, Feel free to slide in my DMs. You can also connect with me on Instagram at I see you watching. Um, and then if you want career advice, feel free to follow um, the company page um, at I choose the ladder. And I will see y'all in maybe two weeks because next week's a holiday weekend. And I feel like we all need a break. So um, I might pop in for a little bit next Friday. But if not, I will see you guys in two weeks. Have a fantastic weekend. And um, thank you for spending your Friday with me. Bye.